0: Well, if you are taking notes tonight, the title of my message is Caught in the Crowd. Caught in the Crowd. And tonight I'm going to talk about going through seasons where you feel depleted. Going through seasons where you feel depleted. Now Webster's defines depleted because, you know, that's kind of one of those words where I'm like, no, let me make sure I know what this means because I think I know what it means. I think I know what it feels like. But let me make sure I know what it means. And depleted means that you feel exhausted, drained, and empty. Anybody ever been in a season where you feel exhausted, drained, and empty? So this word is for me tonight. Okay, that's great. I feel that way, and school's about to start. But we all go through those seasons. And I want to tell you a story of where I was about four years ago, where I had a breakdown in the McDonald's parking lot, at Research Forest in Gosling. Now, maybe you pick more dignified places to have your breakdowns. <laughs> but mine was at the parking lot in McDonald's. I'm sure they still recognize me because it was an ugly cry. You know, it was an ugly cry. And I was in this place. This is before I'd, I'd come to work for Celebration Church. I was traveling. I was probably working 50, 60 in hours a week with my career, my husband was traveling, so we felt a tremendous amount of pressure there, deadlines, you know, things we, goals we had to meet, metrics we had to meet, and all of you know what that feels like in your work. That is like a weight, and part of it is your, your calling and your vocation, but in that season in my life, it felt like a millstone around my neck. On top of that, I had a child who just started kindergarten, and if you think you're busy when you have little children, wait till those little children go to school. And I'm like, what is this? We have a spelling test in kindergarten? Hold up. We are in kindergarten. We are learning how to spell. And so I've got this pressure on the school side as a mom. And I'm like, am I doing enough? Is Avery going to do okay in kindergarten? Lord, you've got to help me. And I'm traveling 50, 60 hours a week. And so I feel like I'm neglecting my daughter and not able to care for her in the school. On top of that, I've got a three-year-old who's in daycare. For 10 hours a day because I'm leaving my house at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm not getting home till 6 o'clock at night, and that's on my mind. On top of all of that, I've got a husband who I would like to see when he's awake. <laughs> you know, it's like I kind of feel the pillow, and I'm like, well, it's warm. I think he was here. I think he was here. <laughs> but you're just coming and going and coming and going, and so our relationship is feeling that tension because it's everybody's got this piece of me. It's like umbilical cords going in a 100 different directions, and I'm just like slowly but surely feeling like I'm going to shrivel up. And finally, I was taking my kids through a drive-through at McDonald's, and I thought to myself, how many many times have I been through a drive-through this week? I haven't been able to even have dinner with my children, and I'm racing to another meeting, to another event that night, and I turned on a video in the back of my SUV so my kids wouldn't hear me crying while they ate french fries because I had hit my limit. I was exhausted. I was depleted. I was weary, and the part of it, guys, you know, when you hit these, these kind of like big hills in your life, like maybe you see it as like this season, that's not that, that takes the air out of my lungs, because when it's like this big struggle and it's this big season, you kind of know it's going to be over in a little bit. It's the dailiness of life that takes it out of my lungs, and I didn't see an end in sight, and it was one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, and I finally was like, Lord, I got nothing left. I have spun these plates as well as I know how to spin these plates. And God, I got nothing left at the corner of Research Forest and Gosling. Well, I want to talk to you tonight about a word and a scripture that came in my spirit when I was sitting there after I've had my cry, because God is so good. He lets you get your cry out, and then he speaks to you, right? And I was thinking about the scripture in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, and the first part of that scripture says, come out from among them come out from among them. And I was like, Lord, what them? Them are very good things. Them are things that I have to do. I have to take care of my family. I have to take care of my husband. I have to take care of this job. You bless me with this position. And the Lord was like, Sarah, you're in a very crowded place. And it's obscuring your perspective. Come out. Come out from among them. And we need to talk. And I want to talk to you tonight, and I want to unpack with you tonight another woman who was in a very similar crowd, and the Lord pulled her out of that crowd. And he met with her, and it changed her life. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke 7. Luke 7 and verse 11, and I'm going to read it tonight from the Amplified Version. And it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, And his disciples and a great throng accompanied him. Jesus is in a big crowd. And just as he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large gathering from the town was accompanying her. So she's in the middle of a crowd. And then the Lord saw her, And he had compassion on her. If you have your Bible underlined, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. And he went forward and he touched the funeral bier or the coffin and the pallbearer stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise from death. And the man who was dead sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So I want to unpack that with you tonight. The first thing that strikes me about this woman in the crowd she finds herself is the compassion of our God. The compassion of our God. I'm sitting here. Jesus' compassion as I read this story it overwhelms me. His compassion for every single soul on this earth, his love for every single soul on this earth, that it is so, it's new every morning and that it never runs dry. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I get a good word. I spend some time with the Lord and then I leak a little bit all day. And sure enough, I'm going to need a whole new filling the next day because it's kind of trickled out of me. God is like this well that never runs dry, and his compassion is something we don't have to earn. The woman hasn't asked for help. She hasn't even prayed. But this compassion is just spilling over and over and over, and Jesus is driven by this compassion to this town, to this widow, to this woman who is now childless. Now, I'll tell you, There's a lot of times, the scripture verse that's in our family that we say to each other all the time, all the time, it's in Proverbs 15, it says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Because my husband and my children need that, not me personally. But (laughs) I try to tell that to my kids. And when I'm thinking about compassion, and I'm thinking about the amount of compassion that Christ lavishes on us, I found this really funny video that kind of shows you what happens when you don't. Have compassion for your loved ones. So, why don't you guys take a look at this? I think you'll enjoy it. You know, you're just like your. Say it! I will remember. You're not mad at me? No. You're sure? I'm fine. Okay, cool, because I thought. I will remember. Top of the line, baby, you're gonna love it. A scale? like that! I, said it. I will remember. Wow, I lost five pounds! Nice, 25 to go! Five more to go! You never listen to anything hey, I say! Hey! Relax! I will remember. These pants are really tight. Did you put them in the dryer? No, but I can put you on a treadmill! Boom! We're a team. We're a dynamic duo. She's my side chick! <laughs> side chick! I will remember. Happy Valentine's Day! Because you're hot and steamy! I will Why can't you be more like Jimmy's wife? What? I said what?! I Hi, I'd like to order flowers for my wife. I wanted to say, baby, I love you, and you're the only one for me. You were right, I was wrong. <laughs> oh, yes, ah! All right, pick a partner. I and I gotta tell you, it would be hard for me to show compassion if that was my husband. You're just like your mother, i like, time out. Life insurance is paid up. Kids are not going to live good. (laughs) You know? That's where it's at. But this compassion that God has for us, it's amazing to me. It's infinite. And we don't even have to ask for it. It is His nature, it is His character. Our God is a compassionate God. Amen? And so Jesus is drawing near to this town as this man is being carried out. I want to submit to you that compassion is the compass for our Lord. He is drawing near to this town as this man is being carried out because his heart is for you. And when you have something in your life that you feel like is being carried out that is dead in your life, I want to tell you the heart of God, the compassion of God, he is right there to intersect you in that moment. And he's ready to change a funeral into something much, much different. You know, Jesus, was in this town and name is only mentioned in the bible one time in this story the only time name is mentioned and i'm like what is a name you know what is this town i don't know if you guys have ever been through maybe a rural part of america or rural texas And Todd and I were in deep east Texas, kind of fishing our way up through Kentucky. And we stopped in this town. I don't even remember the name of it. But this is a true story. It had a stoplight and a sonic. And we literally wondered, who eats at the Sonic? I haven't seen a single house. This is incredible. You have ever been to a town like that? Where you're like, where are we? This is truly like, you know, a four-way stop. I don't know which way, where do these people live? What do these people do? Well, Nain is a little bit like that. It's not mentioned in the Bible any other time. And I'm like, what drove the Lord to name?" He's here. He's at the start of his ministry. He's recruiting disciples. He's just getting things rolling. And then he ends up in this town. And I want to submit to you that Jesus came to name because one woman needed him. A widow, childless woman. And I want to tell you, no matter where you are tonight, Jesus knows that you're worth coming to It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. His nature, his compassion compels him to reach out to you and go out of his way to meet with you, just like he met with the woman coming out of the town of Nain. That's the compassion of our God. You know, Jesus had to reflect the Father. John 5, 19 tells us that he could only do on earth what he saw the Father doing. You know what? And Jesus is sitting here and he's being driven to meet this woman's need because he's looking in heaven and he sees his father being driven to meet their needs. He's being driven to do this, this outpouring of who he is because that's the very nature of God. You know, compassion will reveal your assignment. You know, I meet with people all the time because I'm the director of ministries. And they want to get plugged in and they want to get involved at Celebration Church. Now, some people won't make eye contact with me because they're afraid I'm going to recruit them and get them plugged into Celebration Church. But then once that kind of wears off, they're like, okay, she's safe. I can make eye contact with her. She's not going to make me teach Sunday school. (sighs) But they want to get involved. And they're always like, well, I don't know where I'm supposed to serve. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. And I always tell them, what moves your heart? Compassion will reveal your assignment." You know, when I see the, the uh, I don't know who sings the commercial for the animal shelter commercials, you guys know. I don't know who that's, is it Cindy Lauper? Is that what somebody's? Sarah McLachlan. Oh my gosh, how does that song go? Something, oh, I, the funeral song we just saw, yeah. <laughs> you know, with the big puppy dog eyes, you guys have seen these commercials, the little animal in the cage. Many of you, your hearts are moved by that. You have to do something about it. You, you volunteer your time and your money and you work for the shelter and, and that's your heart. That doesn't move my heart as much. You know, I'm not as necessarily an animal person. I adopted a shelter dog. I have done my part. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have done my, check that box. We opted to adopt, I promise. But that, that commercial doesn't move on my heart, but it maybe moves yours, and that's how you know that's your assignment. You know, I go to Guatemala, and I see a child look at a crayon, and he doesn't know what a crayon's for, and I'm there to do a craft with them on a mission trip, and I realize, oh, I've got to teach somebody, and I'm showing a group of children what a crayon's for. Well, that moves my heart. I want to fit them all in my suitcase and bring them all home, and. You know, just have a a passel of young'uns right here. They don't speak a lick of English, and that's okay. You know, because that moves my heart. What moves your heart? That's what God's assignment is for you. You may have compassion on someone, and people are like, how can you give that guy another chance? What in the world? And you're like, I don't know. I just have this compassion for him. I want to tell you something, that compassion is the very nature of God and it's not cultivated in our flesh. When you feel compassion, it is Jesus Christ pouring himself out on you so that you can extend that to someone else. That's all it is. You know, when you feel that tug, when you want to do more than just feel sorry for somebody, oh, that's too bad but you feel compelled to do more. Lord Jesus, Let me I want to bring this person to you, Lord God. What is my assignment? How am I supposed to meet this need? That's Jesus. That's God pouring his spirit out on you. When you come to know the Lord and you give the Lord your heart, the promise we have is that he's going to make us more and more and more and more like him. And you are going to start to see people and situations like God sees people in situations, you're going to be like, Lord, this never bothered me before. I don't understand. How can I How can I not? This is just not right. i got to do something about this. I've, I've never had this problem before. And you're like, wait a second. That's a little bit more in my heart that's like Jesus. Wait a second. This is a little bit more of my assignment on this earth that's being revealed to me. And it all starts with compassion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Max Lucado, I just finished reading this great book. It, like, rocked my world. His book is called Before Amen. And I would tell you, if you're looking for a good little, like, read, it's not going to take you long at all. It's a good read. It's called Before Amen. And there are so many truths in that book, but one that stuck out to me was when he wrote, you are never more like Jesus when you pray for someone else. I got to tell you, I am very quick to take myself to the throne. And we should pray for ourselves. Amen? We should ask the Lord to heal us and to forgive us. And there's a place for that. But I got to tell you, when I get dialed in and the Lord brings your face to my mind and I start praying for you, it is like super Natural. It's like now I'm in this spirit. Now I'm understanding prayer. Now I see where Jesus, I'm getting that, that compassion flowing through me and I'm starting to understand, okay, this is why you had to walk all the way to name for one woman because I'm having to pray for this one family who I've never even met more than 10 minutes, but Lord, you brought their face to me and now I have to intercede for them. And I want to encourage you, you are never more like Jesus when you pray for someone else. It will rock your world. I want to encourage you, give it a shot. Give it a shot. You will walk in a way you never thought you could. So the first thing about this story is we're unpacking it, is the compassion of God, it strikes me. And the second point I have is that compassion always leads to action. Compassion always leads to action. You know, when the Lord saw this woman, He went up to her, and it says he had compassion on her. So that's the first thing that drives him we just talked about. And it says he said to her, do not weep. Now, I got to tell you, when I read that, I'm sitting there going, now, wait a second. If anybody has the right to weep, it's a lady who's already buried her husband and now has buried her only child. We know from theologians that a woman without any type of male heir, her prospects in life were pretty bleak. You guys remember the story of Ruth and Naomi and how the brothers died and the husband died and you have these three destitute women who are just looking at each other, the daughter-in-laws and the mother-in-law, and they're like, what are we going to do? And they end up gleaning in the fields picking up the straw that and the grain that the harvesters have left behind which is sort of like begging there was a provision in biblical times for people who couldn't grow their own crops or you know it was sort of like food stamps in bible times you could go behind the laborers and pick up the grain that they had dropped and so this woman is just in the same situation that Ruth and Naomi and Orpah find themselves she's got no prospects she is not just devastated She is hopeless. She does not see a way out. And I got to tell you, he walks up to her and he says, do not weep. I want to submit to you that sometimes when Jesus comes to you, he comes to you with comfort first before any of your circumstances change. And in the natural, you're going, what are you, are you kidding me? Lord, do you see the man I live with and you're telling me do not weep? Lord, do you see the bills I'm trying to pay and you're telling me it's going to be okay and you're going to be my provision? Lord, are you serious? Do you see how far my children are from me, how, how I'm trying to reconcile to them and you're telling me to take hope and comfort? I want to submit to you that the woman where she, she did things right, was she just stayed quiet and she heard the Lord's words and she let him work and she let him make the next move. Sometimes your comfort The compassion of Christ will come into your situation and the circumstances around you won't change. But you can receive that comfort. You can know that peace in that moment. And then just wait on the Lord to do what the Lord does best. Just wait on the Lord to do what the Lord does best. Sometimes it's hard for us to receive the comfort of God because we're sitting there like, it's not different. It's not different. He is not changing, Lord. He is not changing. He is not changing. I got a scale for my birthday. He is not changing. And it's hard for us, hypothetically speaking, (laughs) to receive the Lord's comfort and his wisdom because we are waiting on circumstances. Well, sometimes you need to rest in him and let circumstances take care of themselves. Let him be the Lord of those. So Jesus walks over to this woman and he says, do not weep. And I'm like, Lord, why, how could you say that to her? How could she respond to her? And it reminds me of when I take my kids to go get like an ice cream, and my kids love a dip cone from Dairy Queen. Anybody here love a dip cone? That's, that is heaven to me. I've been eating clean for three weeks, and I have purposefully not driven by a Dairy Queen because I love me a good dip cone, you know? It's like old school. But the dip cone is like encased in chocolate, and if you make one false move, it's like, yeah. it's gone. It's gone. And so I remember my kids were new to dip cones, made one false move, and my kid had a dip nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he had himself a cone. And he's like, Owen's crying. He's like, oh my God, it's the one lick, and it's all gone. I hate is not there. And he's so crying. And the first thing I say to him is, don't cry, don't cry. Have you ever said that to your kid? They break the screen on their iPhone. <laughs> You're like, don't cry, don't cry. You know, or something happens, a flat on their bike, you know, or they ding the door. You know, all of these different things. And you say, Don't cry, don't cry, because you know what? As the mom, as the parent, as the dad, you can fix that. You're like, sweetie, don't sweat this. A dip cone's a dollar. Mommy's got lots of dollars. (laughs) We're going to get this fixed. And I feel like there's a part of God's nature that he's just like a dad. And he's like, don't cry about this. Don't cry about this. I can fix this. I've got this. I can fix this for you. Don't cry about this. Don't weep. Don't weep. I've got this. And sometimes we just have to rest in that. I love the scripture that it says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How, can, how is God, who is holy, how much more does he know how to give good gifts to his children? And so when God tells you, he says, do not weep, I know that that comfort that he brings us is resting on the, the knowledge of who he is as Savior, as Provider. So he looks at that woman and he says, do not weep. And then the next thing he does is he takes that action, because compassion leads to action. And he walks over and he touches that coffin. And he speaks to that young man and he says, live. When Jesus touched the coffin, it registered to the woman what he meant by don't weep. His first, his second action made sense of his first action. She's sitting there, she's like, don't weep? Do you know I put a man in the ground? Do you know I have no prospects for provision? You're telling me not to weep? And then in the next moment he reaches over and makes the thing dead in her life come to life that's our God. His compassion always leads to action. I want to tell you tonight that the heart of our God, the character of our God is to meet you right where you are, to meet you right in the middle of the situation that you find yourself, and not just say, Don't weep, but he wants to turn that thing around for you. He wants to touch that area of your life that you have given up on. The crowd is around this woman, and they are carrying her son out. Everybody has handled this problem for her, but one man, her Savior, is going to come, and he's going to touch this problem for her. And I don't know about you, but when I was in the parking lot of the McDonald's, having my ugly cry, overwhelmed, I did not have a life. Life had me and was sitting on my chest and making it very hard for me to breathe. I was overwhelmed and depleted, and the difference was that I had all of this stuff touching my problem. I had thoughts and strategies, and I was doing all these good things, but only one thing. My savior could touch my problem and make it live. He could show me a way forward. He could show me truly what it was to live with him, touching that thing and making it come alive. You know. There are some things in your life that you may feel like are, you're in this crowd, this, this mourning and this wailing. And I want to submit to you, too, the one thing that strikes me about our God is that he was able to spot the woman. And he had never been in that town. He never went back to that town. He didn't even know why he was on the way to name. But he knew that a mother's tears are a lot hotter than all those other mourners' tears. He could spot her. He went right up to her and said, do not weep. And I want to submit to you tonight that God sees the tears that you cry on your pillow. He knows the things that you whisper to him that nobody else knows. He knows the things that you won't even tell your husband or your wife or your spouse. It's between you and God. It's so tender that you're like, no, only the the creator can know this. He knows that just like he knew who that woman was in the crowd and he's going to come right up to your doorbell and he's going to ring it and he's going to say, do not weep, let me touch this thing. Let me touch this thing for you. All of those mourners, and he could lock eyes on the one that he was there for. You're in a room full of people tonight and his eyes are locked on you. He knows what you need in this very moment. He knows where you're at and he wants to do something about it. Amen? That's the nature of our God. So I want to challenge you to give Jesus a shot at your problem. You know, there are things in your life where you're like, it doesn't matter how hard I work, there's always more month at the end of our paycheck. It doesn't matter how much I invest in this relationship, Lord, it just keeps coming back to me dead. It doesn't matter how many strategies, how many books I read, how many different times I take a bite at this, it's not changing. I want to give you a challenge tonight to give Jesus a shot at your problem. Give him a shot at it. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Give Jesus a shot at your problem. You know, Isaiah, if you'll come up and maybe play for me a little bit. I wanna I wanna read the last part of this verse. It's in actually verse 16 and 17. It says that once Jesus had returned the son to the mother, it says that the crowd recognized God and started to praise him. They said, A great prophet has appeared among us, and he has visited his people in order to help them care for them and provide for them I want to encourage you that if you've got this area in your life that you just can't get 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 any movement on it you feel like Lord there's nothing left for it I've got I've got to have something but Lord I've carried it as far as I can carry it I want to encourage you to give it up to God because I want to tell you at the end of the day the people around you are going to recognize God They're gonna be moved by the way he moves in your life. And they're gonna say, Wait a second, how did that dead thing come to life in her? Wait a second, I have to get a piece of that. I was carrying that coffin. I know that guy was dead as a doornail. I gotta get a piece of that. It says in the next verse, this is Jesus just getting started in his testimony. The next verse said, Word spread of him throughout the region. Because there's something about hope, there's something about when Jesus touches an area of your life. That the word spreads like wildfire. You know, tonight, if you'll stand with me, I'm gonna just pray and close here in a bit. My question tonight for you is very, very simple What's consuming you? What's consuming you? The widow at Nain was consumed by her son, she had him lost. She had no husband. She was consumed in this grief. And Jesus, and his compassion, was able to meet that need because he was able to touch the thing that was consuming her. And I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to your mind right now. Because the word tells us that he brings all things to our remembrance and teaches us all things. What is consuming you? Because what's consuming you, God has compassion for. What's consuming you, God has compassion for. You know, my kids have have kid worries. They're consumed about who their fourth grade teacher's gonna be on Monday, consumed with it. Oh, mom, I don't know, what if I get the mean lady? I don't know, they're consumed with it. And I know that God cares about the things my kids care about. And he cares about the things that are consuming you. And he's willing to go out of his way To pull you out of the crowd and do something about it. If you'll give him the shot. If you'll give him the chance. You know, the character of our God is compassion. I love the verse in Psalm 149.9. It says, the Lord is good to all. He is good to all. And he has compassion on all he has made. A pastor once told me a long time ago, all means all. And that's all all means. He has compassion on all and he is good to all he has made. That's you, that's me, that's everybody. He is good to all and he has compassion on all. The question for us is just inviting him in. Say, Lord, I give you this thing. Touch it, make it live. Be Jesus in my life, Lord God. I've carried it far enough, the crowd can't help me. This is between you and me now, God, between you and me. You're the only one who can make a difference. You know, if that's you tonight, and you think, well, where do you intersect God? Where do you, where do I get to a place where he can do what he needs to do? I, I said it earlier. I love that Jesus is coming into town as this woman is coming out of town. There's this perfect intersection, and tonight he is ready to intersect your life. Maybe you've got something that you don't know how it's going to work, but he's ready to intersect you right here, right now at this altar. What's consuming you? Let his compassion move in that area of your life if that's you tonight i want to encourage you to leave the crowd behind your fears your worries how you're going to figure this out everything you've ever tried i want to encourage you to leave the crowd behind and meet your savior at that intersection and let him touch that area of your life and that's what this altar is for this altar is basically a stop sign it's an altar and it's an intersection of where you can meet the living God. The same God that met a woman on a dusty street in Nain is the same God we worship today. And he does the same things he did then today. He makes the dead to live. And if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to get out of that crowd, get out of that crowd, get out of that crowd, get of that crowd and get in this altar.